And I want you to recognize that there is something very unique about hope. We've, we've learned that. We understood that. We began a couple weeks ago, and last week, thank you, honey, for ministering to us on Mother's Day. And uh, all the ladies, I hope you enjoyed the gift that you were given uh, regarding the message that my wife gave you. But we've been talking about an encounter that always brings healing and freedom. We brought you, you to a scripture in the book of John, chapter 5, and it speaks of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And so let's begin. If you turn your Bibles or your iPads or whatever you're using to John chapter 5, verse 1, I am reading out of the New King James Version. And if you have King James, NIV, it does not matter. We're reading the Word of God. Uh, we can argue about things like that, which we find that some of the greatest battle of the church is the church itself, is religious thought. And we're, gonna, we're going to see that its religion is the, the thing that can destroy hope more than anything today. In John chapter 5, verse 1, it says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. We understood that's a Passover. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate at a pool, which is called in Hebrew. The sheep gate is basically where the church or the tabernacle was. So the pool was close to that, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down to a certain time in the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease it had. Now, I gave you a story. Uh, basically, we do not know exactly who it was that stirred the water. So there can be many different thoughts. But we need to get past the, the religiosity of things and get into the depth of what the Lord is trying to show us. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Jesus is trying to bring us into an understanding of what this whole story is, is trying to reveal, not only to the lame man, because he says something to them, him later, and we're going to talk about that in breaking through some of the stuff that basically held him from being healed. Jesus heals people even on the Sabbath, by the way. Verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Verse 14. 
Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. When you read that, you, the, the, the spiritual uh, precept or concept of what he is saying here is very important. But as you, work in the, as you look in the depth of what Jesus is saying, you're going to see a truth, and that's what we're going to find out today. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Religion can really get messed up. Not wanting someone to, to be healed or get an answer to a situation in their life. Where what they think they know super exceeds the will of God. What they've experienced in the past super exceeds what God wants to do today. Religion blinds you in many cases from the heart of God that we have seen in the story. Relationship is being in one another's presence. We enter God's presence with thanksgiving and praise, not complaining that we have learned. Or better said, not with religion. And I'm going to... to uh, explain that in a greater way because I'm using just a word, a term, and when I use religion, our thoughts go to many different facets, but I'm going to bring you into the thought process of what I believe Jesus is saying and also what I am trying to, to uh, portray to you that this story uh, represents. In God's presence equals divine encounters. So the subtitle today is that there needs to be an encounter, and the only way to get these encounters is to be in the presence of the Lord, is to really begin to have a fresh understanding of who God is and the relationship that you have with the Lord, but in that understanding, press into his presence so that you learn more, that it becomes fresher. Now, everyone just, I know you're writing notes, but everyone just look at me. The Bible tells us that we cannot add or delete from the Word of God. That's not what I'm doing. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm expanding and I'm portraying the Word of God to you to where you see it in a greater realm. So when the enemy comes in with specific things to cause you to lose hope, he in many instances will use even some of the great things that happened in your life in the past with God or with church. And he'll even use that to keep you from today, what God wants you to have. In this story, we found that, that they were in Bethesda. Now, Bethesda means house of mercy. So the picture of the church is to be a place of mercy, better said, a house that honors all because of the call on their life. That the reality of, of Christianity, kingdom thought, kingdom-minded is that we honor one another, that we are living a life that is not 
uh, ridiculing and pointing our fingers and accusing our brethren because the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. We are not to do that. And the church can sometimes be the greatest difficulty of people trying to know God and experience a fresh presence of the Lord because the church from their past experience, from what they've learned in the past, holds them back from really moving into the presence of the Lord and what God is wanting you to hear and to know and to accomplish today. And so a lot of times in, in, in churches today, um, you know, we, we, I was talking to a bunch of pastors just a little bit ago, and uh, some of them said, you know what, I have no clue and I would never want to go into a church that has been going on for years. He says, I, I can't understand that. I'm a church planter. I go into a church, I plant it, I get it going, and then I give it to someone who will pastor it for, for the rest of the years. He says, I can't see that because of the difficulty. And literally what he's saying is this, it's because sometimes God does great things in a church, and because that great thing was so great that it holds us back from uh, experiencing greater things that God wants to do because we want what we used to have. And, and God is, is bringing us into a place where, where we must experience fresh things. If we're going to minister to the next gen, if we're going to minister to our young people, that we have to, to offer them fresh things from the Lord. We have to give them things that they desire, not desire as in their flesh, but their spiritual desire. Because our young people are looking towards, our, all these young people looking at, at, at the royal wedding and everything, and a guy gets up and he talks to 1.9 billion people and he tells them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's fresh. But it has to be related in what God is saying today. So the, the church honors all. Last week we began, or a couple weeks ago, we began giving you some points in regard to the story. And, and the first point in the story, you know, it came from the lame man answering Jesus' question. Remember the question, do you want to be made well? And, you know, the, the answer should have been yes. But the lame man didn't say yes. We brought you to a scripture in 1312 of, of Proverbs and I read from the American Standard Version, it says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred, in other words, our hope is based upon what God had done instead of what God is doing. But when that desire cometh, when we get in line with what God is saying, and we're in the presence of the Lord, and we're moving in the presence of the Lord, what is happening is, it says it's a tree of life. It gives you all things that you need. So it's the presence of the Lord. And I, I just, you know, I want you to understand is, is what God is saying to the church today. What God is, is proclaiming to the church, and I'm not just saying valley. What he's proclaiming to the church today prophetically is saying that I am doing a, a new thing. A new thing is not changing my word, changing my ways, but it is a new thing, and we need to experience it, and how you do it is you keep hope alive. How do you keep hope alive is you stay in the presence of God, and you listen to God today. 
You don't live your life on the power of 20 years ago, of 20 days ago. You live on the power of what God is doing today. What happened, this man, lame man, was devastated regarding his health, and he lost hope. His soul was ruling him, and the Bible describes lack of hope makes your heart sick. Now, we know the part of your heart, your spirit, cannot be sick. Your spirit cannot sin, but it's your soulish. It's, it's where you, are. You, you, you lose hope. So the lame man now believed there are reasons why he is not healed. Jesus did not tolerate this. Jesus did not, I'm going to say it again, Jesus did not tolerate the man giving excuses of why he's not healed. It's not about how good he is. It's not about what he's done. It is about being in the presence of the Lord and knowing Jesus and knowing who Jesus is. Because the Bible tells us that the lame man did not know who he was. But he knew the stirring of the water for years, but he never could be the first one to get in the water to be healed. So the first point that we understood in this is excuses. Satan, who is the cruelest person in the world, has lied to him. Satan has produced false evidence to destroy hope. Now, here's the false evidence. Notice the stirring of the water, someone steps in, they get healed. True. People get healed. But he never was healed because he never got in the water first. All right? But true, healing took place. How did the healing take place? In his mind, was it the water stirred? It's the water. If I would only be in the right place at the right time, then I'll get an answer. And what, what Jesus did not tolerate is this. No one can destroy your destiny except yourself. How does that happen? You lose hope. You are not the exception of the power of God because there are no exceptions to the power of God. The guy said, there's some reason why I'm not getting healed. I am the exception of what God's will is. And then what Jesus would not tolerate was that is a lie from the pit of hell. So the second point that we just gave to you but did not explain, and now we're going to explain and we're going to give you a third point also, is this. To get free from a weakness we have, we need to have effort. Answering the question, do you want to be made well? Jesus said, rise and make your bed and walk. Listen very closely. Jesus didn't say be healed. Hello? Jesus said, rise and make your bed and walk. It's easy to get comfortable in our weakness or say, this is my lot in life. 
This is what God, I know the word says this, but I know God is doing something. I know God is teaching me something. I know God is trying to, oh, and we start, you know, singing the old songs. Sometimes even the new songs. But what I'm saying to you is what Jesus is saying. He will not tolerate this. He is saying that this guy has been there for a long time waiting for the moving of the water. The feast only happened three times in a year. And so the water stirred only around the feast. And those times he was there and he never got in the water. This guy may have joined the pool club by then. He gets a towel every time he gets there. He knew all the, the people around the pool. He was a good socialite. He knew what day bingo was. Hello. He got comfortable and he got used to the situation that he was in. So Jesus' question was a perfect question. Remember the beginning of the story that I, uh, a couple of weeks ago I said, why would Jesus ask this kind of a question? Do you want to be made well? Here's how, so you understand what Jesus was doing here. He's saying, do you even want to be made well? Because all he gave to the, to the Jesus was, well, you know, this is a story you know, for years I've been watching the water stirs. There it is. There's the healing point. Oh, it's the water. It's stirring. Oh, he, oh, it's not stirring. Guess it's not God's will. He learned through years to depend upon the water, the stirring of the water, instead of knowing Christ. And taking an effort to know who he is, to know his will, to know what God says is his will for your life and mine. Jesus was saying, are you willing to change your thinking? Are you willing to change your ways and put some effort into this? God, I, I want something from you. God, I want something from you. Years later, God, I want something from you. And the, the old question is this, how's that working for you? See, and Jesus was basically saying to the guy, is how's this working for you, you waiting on the water to stir? When I walk straight up to you eye to eye, I'm in your presence and you don't even know who I am. At Valley, we teach the Word of God. At Valley, we have discipleship. At Valley, we talk about God. We say every one of our programs is bathed around the Word of God because we want you to know Jesus Christ. We want you to understand the presence of the Lord. But there are a lot of people that will feel good but don't even know that Jesus was there. And Jesus is there to heal. Jesus is there to restore. You have family members and friends that don't want to go to church. They say, well, I don't like that guy up on the platform. That, they don't even know me. There's excuses, and they don't want to do anything to get to that place that will bring joy in their heart, the presence of the Lord. That's where a lot of people are at. They're religious. I know there's a God, 
God can do whatever he wants. Stir the water. And if I'm in the right place at the right time, I'll get something from him. And Jesus saying, buddy, that's not how this works. How this works as you get in my presence. John 5.14 gives more direction. See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. People have built a religious doctrine on this statement. Here's that religious doctrine. All sickness is a direct result of sin. That's not true. This destroys hope. When we firmly believe that all sickness is a result of sin, and what that does is that creates an atmosphere of everything that happens in my life is based upon how good I am. And the Bible says that not one person is good but the Father. And I just want to tell you, because some of us have lost hope because we're trying to base it on how good we are. But I'm telling you, God is there. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, he's in your heart, and all you have to do is listen and know who he is. Begin to become thankful to enter into his gates and praise the Lord, enter into his courts. So they built a doctrine on that all sickness is a result of sin. Now listen very closely. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on the theological sense of this, which I can, but I won't. But listen closely. Sometimes there is a sin at the root of weakness in our life. Sometimes there is sin that is the root of it, but it's not always that. This is what Jesus said. He said to the lame man, and I'm paraphrasing, you're well, now don't go back to the old way of thinking. Take up your bed and walk. Maybe it was bitterness. Maybe it was unforgiveness. Maybe it was blaming others. Maybe it was self-pity. Jesus proclaimed, take up your bed and walk. Put some effort into it. Get in the word of God and know who I am. When I come to you so that you will know that I am there. I'll go to a conferences and speak and I'll say the presence of the Lord is, is here. Do you not sense it? And some people go, where, where, where is he? And they start looking towards the water fountain. Stir the water. And I want to say to you, is that God has his presence. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But there's also scripture talks about the manifested presence of God. And that comes because we worship and we honor and we bless and we live this life away from self-pity and blaming others and unforgiveness and bitterness. Let me explain it this way. I do a lot of premarital mentoring. To the young people, I... I know the word mentoring can be difficult on some because it's called mentoring is someone is better than you. That's not what mentoring is. Mentoring is someone 
who has knowledge of something that you don't have, and they love you enough to help you understand it. It is a biblical, spiritual concept. In, in the premarital mentoring, I spend a lot of time talking about marriage is not created for happiness. For if it was, everybody that was married would be happy. <laughs> I know some of you are biting your tongue. You don't want to smile on that because your spouse is sitting next to you. Marriage is not created for happiness, but it was created for agreement. It takes effort to know, come into agreement, to know what the Word says and know what God is saying. I give a schematic on how to get into agreement. Very simple. And then I tell them to go home after the first session, and I tell them to go home and develop this so we can talk about it our next meeting to put together some of the things of agreement and what you're going to do and how you do that. And this is not a scientific thing, but it's just my, what I'm looking at through the many years of ministry. About 90% of the couples, they will come back to me in the next meeting, and I'll say, how did you do on that agreement factor? And 90% of them say, we didn't even work on it. Didn't even work on it. And so what I do is, okay, fine. Out, out of my office. Get out of here. I don't want to see you again. No, I don't do that. The greatest difficulty in the reality of this is, is we need to understand the excuses and then we don't put an effort into it and we wonder why things are not happening and they're staying the same or getting worse. We talk about journaling at Valley. We talk about OSL discipleship, uh, men's meetings, women's meetings, uh, freedom ministries, more than conquerors, you name it. Everything around here is something that they're bringing people to the presence of the Lord and the word of God, and you grow. So there are excuses Jesus is talking, about, is talking about, and he's saying we need to put the effort into it, take your bed and, and get up and start doing something. And the third point, here it is, is experience. This is what I mean. This guy is waiting for an angel to come down. I was messing with your heads, everybody, regarding the story of Jesus when he's little, putting his finger in there and twirling the water. Scripture doesn't say that. But I'm messing with you because everybody talking about this, the, the Scripture doesn't tell us except he was a messenger from God. Who could it be? We don't know. He's a messenger from God, angel, messenger from God. The reality, Jesus was angel of the Lord, all the above. So in this reality, we can spend hours talking about who it was, but the reality, the truth is, is that God did something and, and people got healed. That was his religious experience. He didn't know Christ when he met him, but that his religious experience <clears throat> was the stirring of the water. Jesus comes and says, are you willing to do something different than your experience? Jesus had the audacity to even say it this way. Listen very closely. He said, take up your bed and walk. 
And the Bible specifically said it was a Sabbath. And it says it was a Sabbath because what Jesus and the story was bringing about was there were a lot of religious people and they're looking for the stirring of the water. And if that stirring of the water didn't happen, then no one would be healed. Where does it say that in the, in the scripture? So the religious leader said, hey, why are you carrying your bed on the Sabbath? I love his answer. The man who made me well told me to do this. <laughs> They're so concerned about him carrying his bed on the Sabbath than they were about, praise the Lord, you're healed. 38 years. Religion. You must understand it was not against the law for him to carry his bed. It was against the law to work. The Jews had taken this so far, carrying your bed would be working. Remember the story of the donkey falls in the, in the ditch and they pull him out? See, when you go to Israel, the elevators don't work on the Sabbath. Because it would be work to, to push a button. But it's not work to climb the stairs. I'm not making fun of Israel. I'm not making fun of anybody. What I am saying is this what has taken place? The guy is looking for the stirring of the water. My point was, he had to go against his religious upbringing to do the things that Jesus said to do. So here it is. For you to get healed or receive an answer, you might have to step out of your comfort zone when it comes to your religious upbringing. You know, like worshiping the Lord. But there's something deeper about that. And we're going to cover that in a moment. You know, you might go to a church that lifts their hands. You might go to a church that worships with singing, dancing, clapping, shouting. Hmm, sounds like this one. But what we do, we make sure it is a Bible thing and we step out and do it. Some of us might have to get past our religious experience to receive the fullness of what God is saying to us. <clears throat> the layman had to. See, the way God moved in this guy's life was looking for an angel in the past. He's stirring the water. That's where my healing's going to be. I can't get there. He's looking for that same experience, and Jesus comes along, and he doesn't recognize the presence of the Lord. I'm just thinking, if that was me, for 38 years, I would drag myself to the edge of the pool, and I'd lay down right there. 
As soon as I saw that water stir, I'd fall. <laughs> I would beat everybody. I'd be in competition with everybody. But the reality is, is you have to get to a place of realizing how foolish it is to even think that way. Because it wasn't his religious experience that brought him healing. It was Jesus Christ. It was the presence of God that brought him healing. It was the presence of God that brought the healing power of God in the man's life. Jesus didn't say be healed. Jesus said take up your bed and walk. Start doing something about this. What you now experience is a real God. And now start doing something with it and grow. So it could be a daily thing. Let me explain this. There is a theological truth about Jesus being called the incarnation. Incarnation simply is a God in the flesh. So the pre-incarnate Jesus, before Jesus was born, pre-incarnate Jesus came in the flesh. All right? So what the word means then, carn, Latin word is caro, it means flesh. A carnal person is a fleshly person. So incarnation is God in the flesh. Now follow my thought. This theological truth is God in a body of a human. So let me give you now a, a definition, a simple definition of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God in the body of a human. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you and me who are born again is God in the body of a human. 1 Corinthians, follow me, keep with me. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So God in the body of a human says, Do you want to be made well? Jesus Christ, God in the body of a human, says, do you want to be made well? Again, you would think the guy would just say yes. Instead, he gives excuses. Doesn't it seem like that he could have just beat everybody else? Just be better than everybody else? Be quicker than everybody else? Be gooder than everybody else? So that's what religion does. It brings you into competition with those around you. It brings you into a reality of someone's better than you. They deserve more than you. And that's not scripture. God's not a respecter of persons. God loves every one of us the same. But what we have to get to a place in our life is this, of recognizing how amazing we are. We have God himself living inside us. You, every one of you, if I could look at every one of your eyeballs, every one of you are amazing in the kingdom of God. You are living your life, but the thing is, the enemy who is the cruelest person in the world has lied to you and has given you false proof. 
why you believe the way you do, and you're looking for something, some maybe. You're looking for something that you've seen in the past instead of recognizing God himself is with you. Now let's go further with this. God says to give more effort. God walks up to him in the form of a human, and he doesn't know it's God. If he knew it was God, he would have said yes. See, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is God in the body of a human. So now, listen very closely. If you don't take notes, I don't care. (laughs) But I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. This is straight from heaven. We say every week, come down if you have a prayer need. Just so that you know These elders have God in them. I'm going to say that again. They looked at me like they didn't believe that. (laughs) These elders in the prayer team have God in them. The presence of the Lord is here. You know what connects that? Anointing of oil and the scripture. Do you want to be made well? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, I proclaim in Jesus' name, you're well. Just so you know, Pastor Ryan and his team who lead worship have God in them. So when they lead you, whatever song it is, whatever music it is, and they lead you, God in them is leading you and the presence of the Lord is there. But what religion has done is we're looking for the water being stirred. We're looking for the right song. We're looking for the right clothes. We're looking for the right way that, that, you know, how, how many of you, you need to go on Facebook. Almost every week they put on Facebook the worship team of the Spanish church. And these folks are awesome up there too. Just like us with the English church. And if you look in the face of the people leading worship, you see God. You see the presence of the Lord. And it, it just, it, it's crazy. And how, but people will look past that and they'll look for the stirring of the water. And they'll look for reasons why they don't raise their hands. Reasons why they're, Things are going on. Now, is, is this the Lord chastising me and us? No. What the Lord is saying, it's so easy to lose hope. It's so easy to look at things in a religious mindset. It's so easy not to recognize God when God is right there. None of us are perfect. We have our soulish part of our life. And we've discussed that in this series. But we must understand is that when we are born again, every one of us, what you do 
you have God in you. And when God is calling you and telling you to do something, to accomplish something, and your future is this, I want you to know you must have hope because God in you is saying it. And every single day, you thank the Lord and you worship him for what he's going to do in your future and what he's done today. I'm telling you, church, this is, this is a powerful truth. And if we will recognize the truth, this truth will set us free. Free from what? Free from religious thought, free from hopelessness into a hope that brings us every single day into the presence of God. The Bible says, enter its gates with thanksgiving and its courts with praise. Worship is an encounter with God. Just so that you know right now, the one giving you the word has God in, in him too. An encounter with God. This encounter with God will always bring you healing, will always bring you into the place where God wants you to be. And here's the point. Jesus was saying, are you willing to be healed? Jesus was saying, stop depending on the stirring of the water, the excuse of the past, whatever it is, and now dive into me today. I have something fresh for you. <laughs> oh, man. When we get this, then we'll just say yes. Are you willing? Lord, there's the situation in my job, and I just, are you willing to be healed? Amen. Then what he'll do is say, now when you go to work, this is what I want you to do. I want you to fix it, but I don't want to do that. Because remember, 10 years before that, you were crying before the altar, thanking God for that job, that it was a will of the Lord for you to have that job. And oh man, God, you just blessed me. Look what you did, hallelujah. But you're looking for that same emotion when God says, now I'm using you at that job to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is how you're gonna preach it tomorrow when you go to work. You're gonna forgive and let it go, and you're going to work and be the best worker there. Amen? And you're going you're gonna to stop giving the excuses of why. And you're going to finally take up your bed, and you're going to make it happen. Taking up your bed is you're going to go, and you know, tomorrow some of you might say, oh, Okay, pastor, I'm gonna do that. That's real. I get it now. And you go and you do it and they cuss you out. Amen? Ever been there? And they cuss you out. And they tell you what you're not, but don't receive it. And what you do is what you gotta do. You gotta take some effort. Amen? You got to get up and say, I'm really sorry, 
go to work, be the best worker, go home, thank you, Lord, that something's going to change at work. You go to work, and they don't cuss you out, but they give you the evil eye. Okay? You don't tell your neighbor, he's giving me the evil eye. You tell the Lord, love that person, God. Show them who you are. And there's something I can do to be a blessing to them. Show me. <laughs> but I just, God, I just, I'm praying, I just want the water to be stirred. I want my miracle. And God says, hey, I've given you authority. I've given you the call. I've given you the ability. Church, y'all don't even know, that sounds from the South, but y'all don't even know how amazing you are and how gifted you are. Because a lot of our lives we've lived in religiosity, we've lived in, in this thing, and we've lost hope, and we're just waiting for God to stir the water. Well, one day God, God did it. And he didn't even say be healed. He was healed. Amen, was he? He didn't say, well, I can't get up. I haven't walked 38 years. What are you talking about, weird person? Yeah, who are you? He got up. Why? Because Jesus was more concerned about what he was going to do in his life what he was becoming in his life than the miracle. You know why? Because Jesus already said, it's finished. The answer has already been done. Whoa. Pastor, you talking about faith? Uh-huh. Amen. I'm ask, asking you, do you want to be well? Stop making excuses. Put some effort into it. Grow. Humble yourself that your experience today won't be the way it was in the past. I want to close with this scripture. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, <clears throat> knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. <clears throat> Excuse me. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's how you keep hope alive. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. In the word awesome. God's word. A human being that has God in him proclaimed it. The Bible says to receive those 
that teach the word, to pray for them so that the word of God may have free course. How come the word doesn't work? How come we haven't prayed, we haven't received? Let me just tell you, I say this in almost every conference I do, every leadership thing I do outside our church is pray for your pastor, receive him with gladness. Because when you do, the God in him will come out and you can, you can experience God. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Join hands, would you please? Hallelujah. I want to make some proclamations over you. In Jesus' name, may every business represented here prosper. Every business that works for the kingdom of God prosper. Every business in South Elmani, Elmani, every city we represent here, may you prosper in Jesus' name. Every school teacher here, may you prosper in planting the seeds into your students that they would grow and learn and be educated to be some of the most educated and smartest kingdom-loving students in the world. May the protection of the Lord be over your schools in Jesus' name. When the enemy rises up, the Lord will raise up a standard. The Lord will raise up a standard and protect your schools in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. And I thank you in Jesus' name that you are absolutely making everything that your word says come to pass. And now I thank you that as I am praying, all everyone here joining in are the healed. Sickness and disease has no part of their lives. And I thank you, Lord, no longer they look for the stirring of the water, but they look for the presence of the Lord. They seek you with all of their hearts. They have an undivided heart. They have a desire and a passion to do the things of the Lord. Lord, let our worship be 100 times greater than we've ever done before. Let our daily experience be what we live by so that we can keep hope alive in every area of our life. I come against the enemy that wants to divide families and in Jesus' name, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And I proclaim the blessings of the Lord over everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Before you clap, don't clap yet. Okay. When you're clapping, you're clapping for the Lord, but you're also clapping for each other, everyone here, because each person here who's born again is God in the flesh, has God in them. And they are important to you. We are brothers and sisters. We are important to one another. 
Let's raise up our worship. Let's raise up the passion we have for God. Let's begin to build the kingdom of God like we've never done before. Amen? Now let's give an applause to the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I love every one of you. You have a blessed day.